0: Real stories, reliable information, the latest technology and news. Welcome to the Plastic Surgery Hub podcast, connecting people with practitioners. Hello listeners, it's Trish Hammond here again from Transforming Bodies podcast. I'm still at Cosmeticon, so it's a little bit noisy around here, so excuse the noise and and I'm a little bit speedy here today, I don't know why, I'm a bit excited. (laughs) So I'm talking today with Dr. Paul Garaci. Now he's an ENT and he is actually a face amazing guru genius. I've just seen the most amazing presentation and we're going to kind of talk about faces. Now he's actually an ENT, so I'm really curious as to how he went from, you know, Qualifying as an ENT and actually being this genius of um, the face. So we'll have a bit of a chat with him today. So welcome.
1: Hi Trish, how are you? Yeah, good, how are you? Yeah, good, good, Excellent. good,
0: good. So tell me, what what made you so attracted to faces and, you know, how long have you been doing face surgery and how was that like a natural progression for you?
1: Um Attracted, I've, I've I've pretty much always been attracted to faces. So uh, even during my ENT training, I was really sort of focusing quite a bit on the on the facial plastic surgery side, where wherever I could. Um, facial plastic surgery is a, a you know a recognised subspecialty of of ENT surgery. Certainly, um, much much bigger in the in the in the USA, where uh, a lot of or you know, most of the facial plastic and cosmetic surgery is done by. Um, Tradition, uh, initially trained ENT surgeons that have become facial plastic surgeons. It's a little bit less so in Australia now. Um, but yeah, so I, I I finished my training and then did additional training um, both in Australia and, and overseas uh, in, in facial plastic and plastic reconstructive and cosmetic surgery. Yeah,
0: Right. And it's really funny because you were talking about the trends and the fact that um, there are people that only have non-surgical treatments and then there are those people who don't want non-surgical treatments and just go straight to surgery Um, I'm kind of a little bit sitting in the both kind of field because I am one of those that's a little bit scared but can you tell me so you've obviously done a lot of facelift surgery and one of the things I loved about watching what you did was a bit of the the fact that you've got a bit of fat transfer happening there as well and just kind of building up the structure underneath can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Um, I, I, well, volumization of the face is very, very important in rejuvenation. Um, you know, as, as yourself and most of your listeners will know, there's three main components to aging. So there's the surface component, to the skin that that then that needs to be looking good. There's the the gravity or ptosis component where everything's dropped down. And you need to lift that up, and that's that's sort of predominantly surgical. And then there's a volume component which surgery can do, um, but yeah, but fat transfer in the bits. That have been uh, that have lost volume is, is a very very useful adjunct to to um, face surgery and often with my face well very often with my facelifts I'll, I'll do fat transfer and very often with my facelifts I'll do a resurfacing a, a laser resurfacing procedure at the same time to try and address all three of those components. Mm-hmm.
0: And is there anything that patients should do pre surgery before coming to see you? Like, because you've got to have pretty good skin condition, hey? Like, so is there any like? Tips of what people should start to do, like a year before or six months before or whatever, to make them, to make the skin condition perfect to, for operating on. I, th-
1: well, I think other yeah, like being healthy. So, so in terms of the, the, there are a number of nutrients that we recommend. So I think being healthy and your skin health. I think. Um, uh, medical grade cosmeceuticals, so getting again the skin health, getting the skin cells turning over, um, just getting the quality of the tissue into the best uh, position possible is very very important beforehand. And as I said in in, in my talk, you know, younger people actually have longer lasting outcomes, mm-hmm. and that that's that's pretty much translating into the better quality your skin is. Uh, and, and tissues beneath that, the better the outcome from the from the surgery will be
0: yeah, and you were talking, we were talking about ages and you went through the different groups. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about the aging face like twenty to thirty so what happens to a twenty to thirty year old when their when their face is aging?
1: So everyone's different, but initially one of the first things that happens, happens is your eyebrows start to drop down a, a little bit and you just get a little bit of excess skin on on your upper eyelids and you might just start to lose a little bit of volume in your cheeks and so uh, your nasolabial fold, that fold between your sort of cheek and, and mouth area, starts to become a bit more prominent. They're the sort of things that sort of happen initially. Mm-hmm. Um as that, as that goes on, they get more um, more ageing around the eyes, so you start to see a little bit of a, a sort of bag appearing or maybe a bit of a groove, uh, that tear trough groove sort of happening. Um, and as, as time goes on, the, 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 the face falls down further and you lose volume within the middle of the face, so you start getting deeper nasolabial folds, you start getting jowls or these lines and lots of, li- you know, more lines around your mouth. Um, the, the, the skeleton, the, the, the bone underlying actually starts losing volume as you age as well. So particularly around the nose area, which again deepens those um, nasolabial lines and also um, uh, what we call the pre-jowl sulcus. So just, just near the chin, that starts to hollow out. So you start getting a bit of a, a dip there in front of where your jaw might be. And unfortunately, obviously, the your neck in many people will start to age and one will get some... Bands, what we call platysmal banding, you um, get excess may get excess skin on your neck and may accumulate sort of fat in the in the area under your, ch- your chin. All of these things, which can be addressed.
0: Yeah, of mm. course. And one thing, people, because like, I was always been really really concerned about scarring. But from what I can see from the pictures that you showed, it doesn't seem that scar like because because I know that's around the front of the earlobe when if you have mm. a, like a full facelift. But like, why are your scars so good? <laughs> like,
1: oh, I think. I think you just need to, to, to be very meticulous in that area because that is definitely one of the areas that, that people are, are most concerned about. So not only are they concerned about the result, but they just don't want anyone to know that they've had a facelift and and, and they want to be able to wear their hair up. So so if they have scars in front of their their ears that are, that are visible, then, that, then that's not very good. So um, I think just gentle and meticulous technique um allows for um allows for those scars to heal really really well and i would expect all of our patients to be able to wear their hair up and unless you're specifically specifically looking for the scar no one should really know
0: yeah i think the only person mm. who's going to look for a scar someone who's had one or yeah. someone who knows about it
1: yes no absolutely absolutely so,
0: so what's so. the youngest person you've ever done a facelift on
1: um i think my youngest uh was 39 um very keen to have a facelift um uh, uh a bit of um sort of mild mild to moderate facial aging for her for her age um but um you know as i as i also mentioned in the in the in the talk there is this concept of a maintenance facelift now mm-hmm. whereas where whereby because the tissues are so much, so good um, when they are younger, and the, the results are so much longer lasting, mm-hmm. that there is a there is a, a, a school of thought that maybe rather than uh, using non-surgical treatments, so that surgical early surgical intervention will last much much longer and you know and, and minimise ageing into the into the fifties.
0: Yeah, of course. And and so, what's the oldest that you've ever done a facelift for someone?
1: Uh, in their 80s, so in their 80s. Go girl, Go girl. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. There's certainly been plenty in their 70s, mm-hmm. uh, a few in their 80s, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So
0: I want to ask something else. So you, you mentioned during your talk that a facelift will last, last about 8 to 10 years. Sure. As far as I'm concerned, if I'm going to have a facelift, I only want it done the once, yep. I don't want to get it done again. Is mm. that like, is that a feasible, re- reasonable thing that I can go and have a facelift and then not worry about it ever again?
1: Yeah, pretty much. It sort of depends on, on, on how much you'd like to achieve. So if you were to have a facelift and you were then to maintain your skin and and facial tissue health Mm -hmm. then then no there's no reason why one would need to have uh, another facelift Mm -hmm. um you may have some other non-surgical treatments just to maintain things Mm -hmm. but um it's it's a very subjective thing like most people just have a facelift and that lasts them you know if they if they go from either their mid-40s or 50 or 55 and they go for 10 years from there and they look you know, roughly what looked like what they would have looked like 10 years back mm-hmm. with a little bit of non surgical maintenance. That's quite a long time. You know, it's 20 yeah. years. You're pretty, after that, a lot of people exactly, are starting cares. not to <laughs> care yeah. very much. Yeah. It might be away then as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All
0: right. So, can you t- just, just sorry, I, I want to ask you so many questions, but I'll just, I, mm. I know you're on a real mm. quick time frame. So, the other thing I was going to ask you, um, what about, do you, do you do much just like like a either just a neck lift or just a brow lift or just a, you know, mid, you know, lower facelift do you do any of that or do you kind of like to do it all as one package
1: um much better to do it all as one one package um or one one procedure um the maybe a brow lift you can sort Mm -hmm. of separate but certainly i i i tend to not very often do a neck lift by itself anymore because really if you're lifting the neck you have to lift that tissue through the face somewhere and and up into if you're really going to do it well so um so I'm doing. So I I rarely do neck lifts on their own anymore. Okay. So it'd be a lower face and neck lift. Yeah. Um And would uh, you do a lower face and neck. Oh, definitely lower face and neck lift. Oh, oh, okay. neck lift. oh, oh no, like, absolutely. So okay. I could leave the brow up, but the rest yeah. of the rest of it yeah. would all come up. I wouldn't yeah. do just a neck anymore. It, doesn't make sense, really it just right. doesn't. And it just yeah. doesn't. Uh, you don't get as good a result. Yeah. So that's what that's the mostly what I'm after. So the reju- the rejuvenation for you know what is really. You know, not that much more surgery. It's just yeah. so much better if you go into the face as well. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it's true. And I, and I think um, I totally get what you were talking about is the fact that you can, you know, a lot of people do um, non non-surgi- surgical neck lifting and stuff like that. And then you get to a point where you're like, oh my God, not, you know, this is enough now and I've got to go and have surgery. So I totally get what you're saying. So, how, long, how many years have you been doing facelift surgery for?
1: Doing facelift surgery for the last 15 years.
0: Any ideas how many you've done roughly? It's like hundreds, oh, thousands? Oh.
1: Uh, Probably not quite a thousand, probably uh, seven, eight hundred. Oh, that's a lot. Mm.
0: Oh, good. So we know that we're in safe hands. You've done a few. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, awesome. And where's your clinic?
1: My clinic's in Potts Point.
0: Awesome. 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 Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Oh, one more question. Do you do non-surgical stuff at the clinic as well?
1: Of course we do, yeah. Okay. We have all the non-surgical modalities, lasers, injectables, all of those. Great. Awesome. All
0: right. Lovely. Thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Thanks, Trish. Awesome.
0: So, listeners, if you if you want to find out more about Dr. Paul Garaci, you can find it on our website um, or you can email me at info at au. Thank you so much. Thanks, Trish. The material provided in this podcast is general information and does not constitute medical advice, nor is it a substitute for consultation and advice from your own practitioner. It should not be used to diagnose or treat any medical illness any medical or surgical decision should be made in consultation with your own doctor or practitioner and not based on the materials provided in this podcast.